All right, guys, how are we all going? After many requests for when the next episode of Coaches Q&A is dropping, I can proudly say today is that day. I am happy to welcome JD Finter, owner-operator of Dynamic Therapy on the podcast today. JD is a myotherapist that places an emphasis on treating the person in front of him as a whole rather than a, a sum of their parts, essentially. He's gained a huge amount of knowledge working with massively varied demographics from gen pop everyday people to high-level AFL and soccer athletes. Drawing on his experiences, he brings some incredible insight on recovery methods, daily life stresses and how we can best manage them, and general business savviness to Coach's Q&A today. Without further ado, let's dive into my chat with JD. Give a bit of about yourself here, JD, and tell us who you are, what you do, and a bit of a backstory. Yep. So I'm a myotherapist and I'm the owner of Dynamic Therapy in Taylor's Lakes. And yeah, I've been running for about five years now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Have you always been based in Taylor's Lakes? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Love it. What got you into myotherapy? Uh, A combination of not knowing what to do in school, which I think a lot of people have struggled with. Um, I didn't really enjoy anything, but I did enjoy training. Um, which was always something that I was looking into. Uh, I had a incident where pretty much my dad woke up one day with his chest pretty much collapsed, um, went to the hospital. Uh, everything was fine. No stroke, no heart attack. Couldn't figure out why they said, Oh, I should come up soon. You know, should go back to normal eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a myotherapist at Therma gym. Um, and my dad went to see him and it was actually a 30 minute fix where it was pretty much that his um, scalenes were compressed and they put too much pressure on his um, brachial plexus, which dropped his whole chest. That's so from that moment on, I'm like, damn, that's pretty interesting. I should look into this. And I uh, had an appointment with him. I had a chat with him and I said, look, I don't like doing anything. Like, I don't like sitting down for too long. I don't like being in front of a computer. I want to move around. I want to do stuff, I, but I want to work in like that rehab sort of sporting field. He's like, give it a shot, see what happens. Uh, at the time, it was a certificate first. So it was a three-part course, a certificate, diploma, and then an advanced diploma. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, look, if you don't like it, after your certificate, you've only lost six months and you've got anything else you can do. Yeah, so, yeah, did the certificate. Yeah, yeah, did the certificate. Um, and then, yeah, fell in love with it, kept going, uh, went into the diploma. The diploma is when it got a bit more interesting. Like We started looking at you know certain pathologies, things like that. We ended up working with the Bulldogs as well, Western Bulldogs, which is really cool. Uh, different, very, very different than what you see on TV, that's for sure. I can um, imagine. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot harder work in the background. There's a lot of work that goes on in the background. Like people think, you know, they get a quick rub down and they run the whole game. It's not like that. You know, it, it'd be nice if it was that easy. Uh, but yeah, from then on, I um, I wanted to get more. I figured out that I wanted to get more into like the clinical practice where people come in with certain certain pain, certain issues, and then we can sort of work through them, create a plan and get them back to, you know, 100%, I guess. That's uh, awesome. And then, yeah, went in, yeah, went into that advanced diploma uh, my, at uh, RMIT in the city, which was, yeah, unreal. It was a very intense six months. Um, but, yeah, it kind of shaped me. Got it done. There was a lot of pressure during that course, which was really good. I liked it. I don't like um, – a lot of the courses nowadays have, like, you know, two, three days a week and it goes on for three years. Big safety nets, very sort of relaxed flow. Yeah, no, this was, you know, five days a week, um, 
for pretty much yeah, six months, three assessments a week. It's, it was really intense, but I like that. I like that sort of intense. It's vibe. a good sort of test as well for how dedicated you are to it. Like how badly do you want this? You were going to raise oh. the bar of what you have to get over. And if you don't say high jump the bar and actually succeed, like you can use that as a measuring stick for how much you actually want it, how much time you want to put in. 100%, 100%. There was about 25 people in a class. And I think midway through, there was about 15. So a lot of them dropped off because it was very, very intense. Like you couldn't really work a job while doing that course. You couldn't yeah. study something on the side. There was no sort of side hustles that you could be doing in that six months. I think it's, it's quite interesting as well how they obviously sort of, they build up to that point. It's not like day one, you come in and you're just completely overwhelmed with all this new content and the like, and it's more of a sink or swim. Like going through those sort of three stages of like uh, certificates and then into diplomas and the like, it's a good, it's a foot into the water. Like you start to develop that foundational knowledge and then build upon it, obviously, as you get to more complexity of conditions and the like. And it's a good way to sort of segue into it there. Oh, 100%. And a lot of people have even come forth saying, you know, they wish they did certificates. They, they, they wish they did all those diplomas because they're a lot more, they're a lot more full on. They're a lot more intense as well. Mm. Um, but as you said, like they do ramp up. The further you go in, they get more intense. But in regards to like a lot of people have done other courses as well, like if they've done like a bachelor in like clinical myotherapy, they've found that it can be a bit more, uh, I wouldn't say delayed, but more slow. It would be more relaxed. And look, some people like that. Personally, I'd get bored. I'd get over it. Yeah. I I sort of wanted to get it done. I want to be in there and I want to do, you know, as much as I can. I don't want to waste any time. A hundred percent. I get that completely. Like as someone who's done a few different certificates, sport and development, uh, diploma as well as an exercise science degree the the pacing of how it's all delivered is so different like uni i feel obviously very course dependent and the like and even i guess uh institution dependent the flow of how fast you get the content to learn can almost feel like you're being drip fed at times like i've had units where i've probably got i would say for the whole unit maybe two and a half weeks worth of work all up like if i was doing it consistently but that's delivered over like 20 weeks and it's kind of, it, it, you almost lose interest though because it's so slow and you're disengaged the whole time versus when you're doing five intense days a week, you don't have that time to be able to go, oh, like I'll step away from this. I don't need to look at this for another week or two. You're like, you're, you're invested in it at that point. And it's, and it's quite full on obviously. And you come out the other side having such a better perspective because you've been, you've delved into it basically. hundred mm, percent. Especially when like push comes to shove, you know, when you've got intense big weeks, you can take that pressure which exactly. I found helps a lot. It's not It's not really like a big issue. You sort of just push through like, yeah, I've done this before. I've done the hard yards. This is easy now. Exactly. And you, you kind of get the benefit of obviously like time management and the like, like outside the actual knowledge you're acquiring, you learn how to be more efficient with your time. You learn probably how to schedule better. You learn how to study more efficiently just because by sheer logistics, you don't have ample hours of the day to spend revising textbooks and the like. hundred percent time management is huge. And I started to realize that about a year in, um, I remember going when I was, when I was younger, even like family and friends that would go to like certain other, um, allied health professionals and they'd be late all the time. And it would, it would just annoy me because it's like, it's such a simple thing. You know what I mean? hundred percent. It's so simple. If it's a 45 minute session, leave five minutes at the end for rebooking for whatever you need to do for payments, get it done, whatever other things need to be said. And then get it done. But yeah, that was the leeway. Oh, time management, mate. It's unreal. And it's still, it becomes a part of your daily life, which can be a negative as well. 
because you're always on the ball. <laughs> I guess that, that's one of the obviously the biggest challenges with running your own business is not necessarily just the in-person hours, but organizing your time so you get everything behind the scenes done, having all your back end up to date and the like. Like, is that do you feel that that course and obviously the deployment prepared you pretty well in regards to those sort of time management skills? Hundred percent, hundred percent. It's um, the pressure is good. I think the pressure is good. I'm a I'm a type of person that thrives in like high pressure situations. I like it. Um, you make. I feel like when you have a lot of time to think about things, you can make the wrong decision. Um, you don't go with your gut anymore. You think, but, oh, mm. how about this? But how about that? And you can overthink it. You try and but rationalize that, and reason it. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's not ideal. Not always, anyway. Hundred percent. Obviously, working with a huge range of a different population from probably quite sedentary like older adults to younger sort of kids that might have pathologies and the like to obviously semi to elite level athletes like the bulldogs and say western suburbs soccer club and the like what are some of the different problems they appear with and challenges that they might sort of have in rehabbing those with you whether that be physically or mental yeah so what i've seen in the last definitely in the last you know two three years is that um junior or yeah even not even junior like even 18 to 20s, the load is so much more. Mm-hmm. There is so much more load. There is so much more stress on training more, that training more is better. Like I spoke with a client of mine who trains uh, MPL or WPL. Mm-hmm. Uh, they train four or five times a week and then a game. Like that is unreal. It's insanity. And then rates of, you know, injury, soreness is through the roof, yet they get told push through. Yeah, um, it's a it's an old school stupid mentality, is what it is. Um, Workaholic because yeah, it doesn't it doesn't work. It does not work. It's been proven not to work. Um, even with uh, for example, ACL rehab, going back within going back too soon or not being ready with it, oh. you've got like a 80 percent chance of re rupturing your ACL within yeah. six months. Yeah, for starters, we shouldn't be getting ACL ruptures in the first place, but then people are doing it twice within a year. That is not good. Um, so I do find that a lot of the times, yeah, the junior athletes are coming up with too many issues, too many injuries, not enough focus on recovery, but not not even recovery. There's no structure. There's a lot of, um, which I'm sure you would have seen as well, old school coaches that will say, you know, more is better. More this is, is how we did it in my day. So it's the correct way yeah. to do it. It, it doesn't work. Um, it doesn't work. It simply doesn't. A lot of the times it'll come back and buy you in your ass and then you'll be, in a lot of pain, uh, a lot of issues. I, I tell it to a lot of my clients, um, you know, if you go at 90% for five weeks, it's better than going 100% for two. That, that, top, that top range and that top percentage is what will get you injured. It's when fatigue kicks in. It's when things don't work. It's when you think, you know, you can do it, but your body won't be able to do it. Sheer effort and grit isn't isn't always the only way to get a successful sort of result there. Like as you were saying, obviously the, the load management side of it, for for lack of a less woo-woo term these days, is still a very a very relevant thing. Like the the culture to just basically work 24-7, to give everything at 110%. Like there are probably very few individuals that can physically take that. You have someone with such outlying genetics, maybe something like LeBron James, we're obviously operating at such a high level for so long. Not everyone's LeBron James though. Like myself, yourself probably included, you try and push that hard for that long, something's going to break, whether that be physically, mentally or the like. And I feel that that's something that definitely probably plays a bit of a factor like nowadays in sort of today's like modern environment compared to the past where 
social media, like everything, you're never off. You're never switched off and just completely relaxing. Like say back 20 years ago, the Michael Jordan sort of era, like you're a star player of something. You played at a very high level, but when you were off the court, like at your own home, like you were somewhat isolated. You didn't have all these external Mm. pressures to be, to be worried about. And then you look at say like modern day players today and how much of that social landscape they have to navigate and how much stress that physically causes as well. And I feel that if you're never actually detoxing from that sort of environment, you're never detuning. You're never really winding down and ends up being a lot more stress. And then that conveys itself in a physical presence as well. Is that something you have experienced much of? Definitely. Like load is multifactorial. It's not just training load. Mm. It's mental load. It's emotional load. It's environmental load. It's everything. You sleep. Sleep is free, yet people can't do it well. It's the best performance in answer. It is. And there's all these little um, things that, you know, pretty much the way dynamic therapy works and what we try to do is figure out why you're in pain, right? We don't want to work like, yeah, your shoulder's sore. If I work on your shoulder, it's going to definitely help. It definitely will because that's where it's, you know, that's where the skin is sensitive, things like that. But it won't get rid of it. It won't help it long-term. It's just a very big band-aid, right? Uh, And one of the main things that we're finding is that a lot of people are having, the main reason people get pain is because load, right? So pretty much load versus recovery. If you are, you essentially want to be like this, a small staggering graph, right? Whereas people that, for example, now coming out of this two-week lockdown, their load will be right down low here, right? Their load will be here, no pain. They're going to come out of lockdown and go crazy, you know, to the gym five times a week, go for runs every day, and the load's going to go up here. If there is no recovery in terms of load management, so sleep, rest, diet, you know, getting off your socials, relaxing. Literally relaxing is so easy, but so hard at the same time, right? If that load doesn't come back down here and we only go to about there, then the next time you train, it's going to go back up here and it's just going to keep staggering up. And up on this part here is pretty much where pain is, right? And pain's obviously a very, very broad top topic, but eventually we want to have you know you training there and then we bring that load back down. And then eventually it starts to even out to the point where, you're never really sore. And a lot of people think that being sore is good. Being sore is not good. That is detrimental to your training, right? So, you, you know, you hear people like, you know, I haven't been sore in like two years, yet they're progressing in every single aspect. That's positive. That's, that's, <laughs> that's that staggering yeah. coin of that graph, which is very, very good. And a lot of people fail to understand that because they think, you know, oh, I haven't, you know, lockdown happened. And lockdowns are not an excuse, but it is a big thing that people have to start taking. Mm. You know, you, you're not training at all. Uh, not a lot of people have the motivation to train, especially now. You can't expect to go all the way back and go training five days a week. You know, if they said, "All right, tomorrow you can go to the gym," that doesn't mean a two-hour chest session, yeah. for example. That means, you know, and I've said to a lot of my clients, you go into the gym now, or you go back to your soccer training, footy training. You go sixty percent for the first week. Yeah. Trust me, you'll be fine. You've taken off two weeks. This third week's not going to kill you, but it could definitely affect you in the future if you go too hard too quick. And that's a problem that we see a lot. It's, I think everyone's in a rush. You know, everyone wants to be, as you said, the next LeBron. Everyone wants to be the next best footy player, the next best soccer player. But people forget to understand that, you know, when I was working with the Bulldogs, they get treated twice a day, mm. seven days a week, just by Myers. They also, if they're doing, if they have an um, IP program, like an uh, injury prevention program, they'll also get treated by the physio there three times a week. Right, that's 17 treatments in a week. Essentially, I treated like a prize racehorse. 
100%. And I guarantee that no one will be able to afford that. Like no mm. gen pop will be able to afford that. That is a lot of money, right? But that's, you can't expect that to happen. And yet again, they still get injuries. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. It shows that in, in as perfect of a world as we can sort of provide, like it's the nature of sports, a chaotic random environment where you're reacting to 30 plus different stimuluses of other people on the field. It's chaotic. Things happen. Like, no prevention program is 100% guaranteed to cut all injuries out of the equation. And it's kind of, it's just a fact of being human at that point. But touching back on what you were saying before in terms of the person trying to jump back in the gym and make up for lost time, like one session at a very, very 10 out of 10 intensity doesn't beat multiple sessions at a six out of 10 intensity. Because consistency in terms of that graph you were talking about earlier consistency is probably the biggest thing there that underpins actually gradual changes in a positive direction. Like small steps make a long journey. Oh, definitely. And if, you know, you've got to look at it over, over time, you know, you don't lose weight in a week, you lose weight over a course of months, years. It happens very slowly over... then suddenly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's the, and it's the best way to do it because you don't really feel it. Mm. But it's, I think it's a very mental thing in that point where it's like, Oh, nothing's happening. But you look back in six months and you've done awesome things. Essentially trusting the process. Mm, mm, very hard. Very hard to do, though, for a lot of people. <laughs> Easy um, to say. Oh, 100%. That's what I was saying before. Everyone wants everything now. Everyone wants to train the hardest, you know, do this the hardest. But no one wants to do the background work. No one wants mm. to do the back end work. I think it's probably just a culture, uh, a culture thing of today's sort of society as well, mm. of like instant gratification. Like, oh, if I want to look up a bit of information or if I want to get a quick dopamine hit, I can just jump on my phone. And that being available 24-7 is almost a drip feed. Mm. Probably has, I feel, reduced a lot of patience for a lot of people, especially when it comes to something like physical training where it's it's bottlenecked by your ability to recover. Like I can go in and yeah. probably, if my motivation was there, train for six hours in a day. Am I going to recover mm. an equal amount to that? Hell no. So it's more no. my ability to actually match and recover from what I give it that is mm. that linchpin there holding everything together. And as you were saying, when someone tries to push that too far for too long, like obviously there's, there's windows where you want to try and push a little harder and have that super compensation happen. But oh, definitely. Then definitely. you balance it and pull it back the other way. And it's a push-pull sort of nice flow equation to it where you don't want to go too hard, but you also don't want to go too little. But it is, it is a bit of a balancing act. Oh, it definitely is. And it's a very hard act. It's so hard. Um, and that's when people start to you know, get their niggles. That's when people get their pain. That's when frustration kicks in. And the emotional side of it is unreal. Do you know what I mean? That'll Your emotions will dictate what you do. 100%. And especially making those decisions in the moment where emotional creatures as humans and like being able to almost take that emotion, like feel it and respect it as an emotion, but take it out of the decision-making process of what you're doing and why you're doing it to step back from almost like a bit of a stoic perspective and see it objectively. Like if I was not in this situation of myself and viewing it from an external perspective, what would be the best step forward here? What would be the smart decision to make? And trying to reframe uh, a bit of context around like a decision like that, I feel both personally and for a lot of my clients can help you make smarter decisions. Mm. No, definitely, definitely. And I think that's the best part of stepping back and looking at it, you know, as a, bigger picture it always helps 100%. it always helps it's easy to get it's easy, and it's easy to get caught you know in the small things and especially as you were saying with social media it is it is as bad as it is good mm. it's a tool um, 
Yeah, and everything looks good on Instagram, yeah? It's meant to look good. It's no a highlight reel. Yeah, no one, no one puts up the boring stuff, the bad stuff, you know? It's mm. not like that. They want to show their best life, things like that. You know, a lot of these, um, even a lot of um, bodybuilders, for example, people don't understand how much treatment they get. Mm. People don't understand, like, their life is built on training, eating, and then recovering, and yeah. then doing it all again. It's not just training and eating, like it's simple. You know, yeah. they, they sleep eight to ten hours and it's quality sleep. It's not it's not crappy it's sleep. A, it's where a priority. Find... Oh, definitely. But it's so funny because it's a free, free tool to use right now. And not a lot of people use it. And um I found it a lot more you'd think that now with um a lot of people working from home that they'd be better sleep, like they'd sleep a lot better. They don't mm. they sleep worse. They actually work more, which is a good and a bad thing. But, you know, they'll be up at 6 a.m. working and they go to bed at 11 because all they can do is, you know, watch Netflix and have something to eat, spend time with their partner and then go to bed. Yeah. And I think I think it's yeah. definitely something like in my own clients, I've seen the exact same sort of results there of like lockdown, what's ended up happening to their lives. And when you remove all those options of things that are like enticing to do because everything being shut, everything being closed mm. and oh, like, okay, I've gone for two walks today. I've gone and hung out with my partner. I've had some food. I've played with my dog, whatever. You kind of almost run out of things to do. So at that point, like if I've got a backlog of work, someone might be more yeah, more inclined to spend a little more time there. And again, as you're saying, positive and negative. Like if, if that is something that you feel you can balance and manage without getting out of hand, awesome. But I've, I've had clients that have ended up doing going from like a normally should have eight to nine hour day, ending up doing like 12 hours plus for yeah. every day of a week. And it's like, all right, you've probably just done about 60 hours in a week. Like, and then you try and push yourself on a Saturday morning PT session. Like your body is, your body's thrashed by that point, like body and mind. So coming in and, uh, and saying like, oh, I really want to get a really hard workout in. I feel like I've had a hard week. Like take a step back and objectively look at it like, you're chronically stressed right now. You've not slept very well. You've not recovered very well from your own life stresses. Like it's probably not the best time to try and really push that equation there. Like that's, that's a time to probably do a little bit more like relaxation sort of work. Like still get a bit of a sweat on, get some good endorphins going, but not try and set any personal best in the life. Like you've been in a chair for 60 hours this week in a minimum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a, it's, that's all we try to educate people when they come into the clinic is that everything that nothing just happens. Mm. You don't get, pain because it just you woke up with pain it'll be an accumulator yeah it's if it was that easy it'd be an easy fix nothing's an easy fix you know things don't just your body learns to adapt right and then the thing is if your body feels pain that means it wasn't able to adapt so things go wrong things go wrong very quickly and then it adds up to the point where you know i just put up a um instagram post as well on like a pain cycle um it is literally a cycle you know, it's, it's a cycle of, you know, pain. Then you feel, um, you know, you don't want to touch, you don't want to move that area because it's sore. So then you get negative emotions about it and then you back into the pain and it just keeps going around and around. And you need to break that cycle. You definitely need to break that cycle, especially with work. You need to break the cycle of sitting down for so long. Uh, a good tip that I've given to a lot of um, my clients is that 25 and five, every 25 minutes, get up for five minutes, walk around. 100%. Go to the toilet. I don't care. Whatever you do, do not sit. Do not sit on the toilet with your phone. Don't do that. A lot of people do it. You know, get up, move around, go have a drink of water, see a dog, walk up and down the street. That's enough. You know, over time, you know, that's 
10 minutes every hour, for example. It's you know, nothing. It's, up it's over such a, a small window no. of time frame to be taken away from the work there. Like go and have a glass of water. Something like that, that you ingrain as a habit and then starts to cascade through the day, through the week. Like suddenly you're drinking another liter of water a day. And like I would, mm-hmm. most, I would say that most people don't drink enough water as is whether that be you're at home and you've had say three coffees throughout the day or something like that. And because you're sort of so distracted in your work and so ingrained in that, and then you go, Oh, I'm going to have to make a coffee, come back and straight back into it. Like people go like six hours without drinking water, six hours plus, like, and that's, that's so not good for your body. And you're probably in this chronically dehydrated state, but because that's your baseline, you have nothing to compare it with. Like, at that point, you don't know what it's like to be hydrated. It's the same touching on the sleep topic as well. Same idea. Like if you're chronically underslept and that's just your general baseline state and it feels normal, that doesn't mean it's good. That doesn't mean it's optimal. No. Like a slight no. tweak and change there can have you <clears throat> feeling so good. And as someone that has definitely had his sleep cycle mess with quite a lot in the past, just as typical sort of PT hours and the like, as I'm sure you can relate with, it really, it really affects you. Like you're so you're so much sharper mentally and you're there on those days that you get like a full couple of days of build up sleep there versus say sub six hours a night where you're, you're there, but you're not there. Yeah. Oh, and I've done those nights, you know what I mean? You're just like, Oh, it's all right. You know, I've I'll only be got right. a few clients and, yeah. Oh, I've got only got a few clients in the morning. It'll be fine. Like, no, nah, you definitely feel it. And you'll notice that after you've been consistent with your sleep for a while, it's like, Oh my God, like, I can string these words together so much better. I know what that word was that I couldn't think about. Um, that's what I noticed a lot about. It's like certain things I was trying to explain to people was a lot harder. Yeah. And then once you focus on your sleep, it was like, hey, that wasn't, that wasn't hard. Exactly. Like verbal <laughs> clarity is, yeah, definitely, definitely mm. a big thing there. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. It's always a big one. For sure. Obviously, having founded Dynamic Therapy about five years ago now, I'm sure that in that time frame you've learned far and beyond beyond what you thought you would have learned in that time. What are some of the big sort of pillars that you may have constructed in that time or things that might have changed or maybe a technique or ideology that you had previously that you found to be a little flawed or outdated or you've updated or something like that? Where What's changed in the five years? I think the way that I assess a client, um, I think we were taught in school that it's all about, you know, fascial restriction, joint restriction, things like that, where it's a lot more intense than that. It is very, very complex, but simple at the same time. Um, it's, it's like I've had clients that have had headaches for 15 years, for example, and then, you know, we just teach them the importance of drinking water and breathing and the headaches will decrease by 50% easily. And then we start doing some soft tissue work and teaching them things about posture and then, stress relation into that and then the headaches are gone within a month or two months 15 years of headaches gone within a month that is unreal right so i've learned that it is not as simple but if you put certain strategies in place you can definitely figure out what's going on Mm. it's it's nothing just as i said before nothing just happens because it happens you don't get headaches because oh you're prone to headaches you know it doesn't run in the family it does not you know, I've, I've, I, that's one thing that I used to hate. Habits um, run in the family. Yeah, habits, poor habits, um, poor environment, things like that. They all run in the family. You know what I mean? Not, you're, not your sore knee. Oh, my dad's got that same knee. Yeah. yeah, he probably has a very similar knee, but it's probably the reason, not the reason why you both have knee pain. Um, so I've just started to yeah dive deeper, I guess. Um, 
when I was studying, I did a lot of uh, mentoring with some osteos and I found that I grabbed a lot of that holistic approach that they look at and I brought it into my own practice, um, which helped, I think, the most because that's when I started to unfigure, like, figure things out, like how are they sleeping? You know, what are they doing when they're sleeping? Um, do they snore? It's just the little things like that that will put so many pieces together. I found that, um, yeah, if you just dive deep, you find out everything. And it's that one little thing that usually happens two sessions in and be like, by the way, this. And that'll be the main reason for a lot of things. Like I have, um, I have a client that had a lot of TMJ issues and she's like, oh, by the way, had braces for three years and they had to do um, reconstructive surgery on my jaw. And I'm like, oh, really? Big pillar, big light bulb. Yeah, thank you for telling me that when I was assessing you and I said, have you had any operations in the last 15, 20 years? <laughs> Obviously, that wasn't one big enough. But things like that, I think looking holistically helped a lot, but also simplifying it. Like, why are you in pain? Is it because you're a more of an emotional person? Mm. You stress a bit more? Uh, is it that? Is it because you don't know how to manage the load? It's a very simple thing, but can be very complicated at the same time. But I think the best way I, the best way I look at it, and I've learned this over a while, is that if something isn't moving well, get it moving better. If something isn't strong, get it stronger. If something is sore, desensitize it. And a lot of the times, your body knows what to do. Your body's not stupid. Um, for example, if you had a sprained ankle, and I said, you need to jump over that, with that ankle, you need to jump mm. over that car. If not, something bad is going to happen to your family. I guarantee you will jump over that car. You will not even know your ankle is there. You start getting chased right. by a tiger, you're going to run. You're not going to go, oh, you're gonna I've run. got a sprained right. ankle, sorry. Yeah, you're not You're not going to be like, pause. You know, it's, exactly. Your body knows how to deal with it. Your body doesn't like to be in pain. So if we figure out why you're in pain, what is putting your body in this position, a lot of the times your body's going to sort out on its own. Mm. A lot of the times people aren't going to get a quick fix. You're not going to feel amazing the next day. You might feel a bit weird, you know, and then the rehab stuff we get you doing and the sort of homework, you start to feel like, oh, this is getting a bit more normal, more normal. And then you'll come in the next session and be like, hey, you know, I actually haven't had a headache. How weird is yeah. that? It's not weird. It's normal. But it's just the way your body works. So I feel like that holistic approach helped the most by far. And just, yeah, simplifying it. As I said, something sort desensitizer. How? Do they like needles? They don't like needles? Cool. Cup it. You know, it, and there's no like one tool fits all. Um, I do do a lot of fascial work because I think the hands, the hands on is amazing. Like the, you know, the actual, the energy or the connection between mm. two people, like shake someone's hand, you're, you're autom- like as a guy, I find that if you shake someone's hand, it's a good handshake. You feel like, Hey, we're on a, a good connection. There. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and you can't deny it. You know, people think like, Oh, that's so like alternative Ooh, medicine. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not like, you know, um, when a baby's crying, you put them on your shoulder and you tap their back. They love the tap because they love that connection, right? So a lot of people thrive off touch. Um, a lot of the times as well, um, people like me, we're not actual just my therapist or whatever allied health professional. We're therapists. Mm. You know, as soon as you start to touch someone, they just open up. 100%. I think it's, a, it's an interesting secret. blend of like Western ideology and almost like Eastern ideology. It's sort of meeting in the middle, like, not getting locked into any necessary like system or anything like that, but taking what works, discarding what doesn't work and creating your own ideology and system from it in that sort of sense without getting too like 
stigmatized or stuck down in sort of pedantics. Mm -hmm. You are just implementing what you find works and building your own sort of process through that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think that's what a lot of people get very angry on social media. Like, oh, this doesn't work. Hmm. This isn't backed enough. There's not enough research. But tell that to my client who I've just helped that's had pain for 15 years. Tell them it doesn't work and take that away from them. 100%. You know what I mean? No one, there's no answer. There's no answer. No one knows the answers to anything yet. You know, we're still so backdated. Like, we still don't know how certain things work. It's unreal, but they work. Things work, you know. How come exercise makes you feel well? How come needling works? Well, exactly. we sort of know why, but we don't know really why. We have an idea, but like it can yeah. be so convoluted. And touching back on yeah, the social media comments of like someone saying, oh, that doesn't work sort of thing. Like the way I see oh. that is you're in a room with your client treating them and that person's looking through this little keyhole of just a tiny bit that you've shown. Mm. They don't know the context of that person. They don't know why you're implementing it, what you're trying to get out of that. So many factors, their history, like where they've built up to, where they've come from that they have absolutely no idea on and they're essentially armchair quarterbacking it and just throwing these insults of, oh, it's not working, that's crap, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But like without any actual education on why you're doing it, what you're doing it, who you're doing it for, like it, it's essentially meaningless to them at that point. Definitely is. And, you know, that's, I think, that's why I've created the word dynamic therapies because we don't just look at your muscle. Mm -hmm. We'll look at your fascial work. We'll look at your joints. We'll look at your overall posture, your stress, your water intake, your diet, your training everything are you a smoker do you drink a lot on the weekends do you have a lot of salt in your food do you not have a lot of salt we look at all those things and if we don't know we'll refer off and we've got a very good referral network at the moment so that's i think the biggest thing for dynamic therapy and how it's changed is that i used to think that i could do everything mm. i think a lot of people think about that when they first start their own business like yeah. i can do it all <laughs> um you'll soon learn that you can't a um, service list this long <laughs> Yeah, no, you can't do it. Like I said, I could do this, 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 this. And then it's like, yeah, but I don't like doing those. So I'll throw them yeah. out and I'll do what I'm good at. And then you become known for what you're good at. 100%. I think. And so yeah, that's... Just, that's. Oh, could you, could you, sorry, go. <laughs> no, that's it, pretty much like how you how I looked at it Um, in the terms of, you know, what is dynamic therapy? How have I changed? That's the best way I could say it. Like you want to look deeper because it's nothing's ever simple, especially with the human body. We have known nothing about the human body. For sure, for sure. It's, it's almost like you're pruning your tree so it grows stronger and uh, straighter in the direction you want it to go rather than offering a hundred different services out here and having it with this massive base but no real solid foundation and not really obviously being known for one specific thing. And also like even just in regards to wanting the best for your client, like if you can be humble enough to admit that, hey, maybe I'm not great at this one thing but this other person over here is amazing at it if I want the best of my client, I'm probably likely going to try and refer them off. Like if I don't feel confident in say, I've got someone that's maybe just come back from an ACL rehab or something like that. Like I probably may not view myself as good as a physio and the like that specializes in ACL rehab. So it would be silly of me to try and undertake something that may be a little too large, or I may not be as skilled as this other person in. And yeah, it's being humble enough and having the humility to admit that like, this isn't my spot to be. And let me send you to someone that's going to give you, the ability, like give you the, the results you want here and have the ability to take you through every step of the way. Oh, 100%. And me being the young 20-year-old that I was, I'm like, nah, I can do everything. You know, I can do it all. But yeah, you soon learn that you can't do it all. And even if you try to, you might not be as good at it. And then it does get negative. It's like, oh, mm. damn, why can't I help them? And then yeah. it's like, oh, am I not built for this? Can I not do this? And then you start to get into that 
big sort of cycle of like, this is not for me. And that's not good. You know, you want to do what you love because at the end of the day, you're going to spend a lot of time working. Of course, of course. And I think you it's, want to make it. it's almost a bit of a, not a rite of passage, but it's a good experience to have to draw from as you move forward. Like, mm. all right, I know yep. what it's like when I try and take too many things on or try and offer too many things. And you see that the, as, the, as it sort of gets wider of what you offer, the quality can often diminish. Like if I'm trying to spread myself between 15 different tasks of completely different services for clients and the like, like I'm probably going to be less focused on honing my craft in one specific area. No, definitely, definitely. And um, you don't want to be known for like, oh yeah, he sort of helped me, but then didn't, you know. A lot of the times clients will be very happy when you send them somewhere else. Um, because it shows that you care for starters and you should care. If, if you're in this industry and you don't mm. care, then there's a problem. 100%. Um, but yeah, they will be happy because then they'll get the help that they want. And when someone is out of pain, they do become a lot more happier than they become a lot more grateful. And they will tell you, like I've had a few clients that, you know, thanks for sending me there. And even that, that's like an awesome feeling. 100%. That's an awesome feeling. You've, and you've that's contributed what I think to their rehab, whether it be yeah, in physical people- or just a referral sense. Mm, and people forget about that like everyone thinks about money mm. you know? money comes money comes when you do a good job like you can't look at it as a money like when i see someone walk into the clinic i don't see money bags coming off of their shoulders yeah i see like someone that okay we're gonna help you like you don't look you're good. a person we need to fix you're not a transaction yeah yeah 100 percent, 100 and i think people look at others as a transaction mm, for sure. and you can definitely see the type of people that they are very quickly I think it's quite interesting, like from my own sort of like physio perspective of background of like being a chronically injured athlete in my sort of late teens, early 20s, and going to a few different physios over that time frame, seeing what I viewed as quite common being a, you walk into the physio, you have a 30 minute appointment that costs an arm and a leg. You talk to a practitioner for five minutes, they get you on a TENS machine to activate the muscle that wasn't working. And then you do three sets of banded clamshells and you walk out $110 lighter from your pocket. You've essentially spoken to someone for five minutes. They've got you on a machine. They've got you doing an exercise. And then you've essentially got nothing out of that. You've not been educated. You've not been sort of diagnosed through a mental, more of a, a biopsychosocial sort of model, like you were touching on earlier with your lifestyle, your habits, how these all interplay into the result of your body and where you're holding that tension, where you're holding that injury and the like. And I feel that that's definitely sort of where the industry is moving more towards out of that transactional appearance of, all right, you're coming in, it's been five minutes talking, you're in and out, in and out. And you like, I remember at this one specific place I'm, I'm, I'm referencing here, the, the physio would be seeing four clients at once and sort of just basically walking over, touching the tennis machine, hitting on, go to the next person, hitting it on, going over there and then seeing another four. And it's almost like a bit of a running ring there where they're just running around touching these machines, giving no, no interaction. That's essentially the opposite of what you were talking about before in terms of the energy connection when you're physically working on someone and the like. That's, that's so disconnected from that perspective that it's the complete opposite. And I feel that, from, from my viewpoint, the industry is moving into a more person-friendly environment. Would you agree with that? Or would you say it's sort of still a little bit archaic in that or somewhere between? No, definitely. Like in, in that, that physio that you told me about, I've actually heard of that exact physio. My, one of my clients used to work there. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was like, I think he would make like $400 in half an hour, something mm-hmm. like that. Like yeah. unreal, unreal. 
Um, but then, you know, you got to think about like, did those clients ever come back? Did exactly. they actually get no, any no repeat business? Oh, if I is, is that is that a one off for I never went back <laughs> that way. Yeah, yeah. There you go. But look, I, I definitely think it's um, it is shifting into that. And if it isn't, then you should be, mm. um, because we're figuring out that it's you know, especially in a time like this, like with COVID, mental health is unreal. Mm. Emotions can make you do crazy things. Yeah, Very good cool. and bad. So a lot of people have also moved online. Like a lot of, um, as we were speaking about before, a lot of therapists have moved online, which is not a bad thing. It suits the people that thrive off that online mm. interaction that, you know, don't have the time to go in and things like that. But then it makes time for people like me that you actually, I've got a lot more time to see you. I've got a bigger market to get into. But even the ones that have gone online, and I know a few of them, they've actually progressed quite well online. Um, you can look at a lot of different things. You can work outside of that appointment, which is good. Do you know what I mean? It can benefit the therapist and the client. So a lot of people, I think, need to be, yeah, definitely going to this emotional and sort of multifactorial looking at pain and looking at people. Um, if you're not, you're going to get left behind because it's not as simple as a muscle is just sore because it's sore. They're not just stressed because they're stressed. If it was that easy, everyone would be doing this. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I think it's quite interesting. Yeah. Touching sort of on the availability of like people, whether it be in a COVID sort of state, there's, I feel that people fall into sort of two mindsets of a, a scarcity mindset and a plentiful mindset in the sense of if obviously say COVID has brought a lot of probably neck and back issues and the like, <clears throat> hip issues and stuff like that, coaches and therapists and the like going, oh, like perfect like this is a good situation because there's more people that need help and there's more people to help them or on the other vein of the scarcity mindset where it's, Oh, like, I don't want you taking my clients. Like I'm going to try and basically take yours and keep them all for myself. And they're like, rather than focusing on the person that yeah. needs the help there. And that it's a sort of, it's an analogy of rising seas, raise all ships, having yeah, more availability, definitely. having more access to people. It's a positive overall, whether, people are moving to the online space and obviously you're still very in person there. That's a good thing nonetheless, because the person is able to get more help. They're able to have a wider area to choose from. And that's, that's not a negative. Like that's raising the whole profession. And in a, in a PT sense as well, I feel that that falls into those same categories there of there are trainers that badmouth other trainers just so they get business. And it's like, okay, like that may work very in the short term, but then very soon you get a reputation as someone that badmouths everyone. You start to get a name as someone that's not very friendly to other businesses versus working hand in hand. Like if that person's getting fitter, healthier and having a better life, like I'm not fussed if it's me or someone else doing it there. That's a positive either way. Like you want to try and change people for the better, whether that's me, whether that's someone else, everyone being brought up is a good thing. Like people train more, they might train with me and then say an injury comes up and then I refer them to you and then you treat them and then you refer them back and give them some other things to do. And it's just, it's that vicious cycle where, as you were saying before, you network, you create those connections and you become like essentially a bit of a system where you've got people you refer people to that are probably in the very same industry, like whether it be an osteopath, whether it be another therapist, my therapist and the like, and you create that connection where you're known for things, you're good at them. Other people are known for other things, they're good at them and you bounce back and forth like that. And it's, a very interesting thing to see different people fall into those sort of categories there and how, how they represent their business from that sort of perspective. 
Definitely. Um, I, uh, I had a chat with um, Ben Humphreys, a physio in Paran. Um, really good physio, really good guy. Um, he actually told me as well that there's, a, there's so many people in the area that you're working. There is so many people in Victoria and in Melbourne. You cannot treat everyone. Mm. It is impossible. You know, you will not be able to service 200,000 people, for example, in a year. Even if you had five people working for you, there is a lot of people. Even right? if you're running tens machine to tens machine. <laughs> Mate, you could be treating 10 people at once. There is still not enough people to service the gen pop, right? Um, so, yeah, you do need to look at like, you know, referring out. And it's not a bad thing. It definitely isn't a bad thing. I think it's a good thing um, because, as you said, people will know what you're good for. Like, I've, I've referred to other minds because I'm just not good at that. I'm just not good at those things. Certain things I'm not good at, right? And what I've also learned is that you're the best you. There's no one as good as me, right? But there's no one as good as you. Mm. And that's and you got to take that in a very open-minded setting where I'm the best at the way that I needle. Yeah. Then my staff member might be the best at the way that he needles, but it's just a different way of doing exactly. it. But he's the best at his way, right? And a lot of people get really offended so you've got to be careful with how you <laughs> say that but a lot of people do get offended with that 100%. and i think it's just like you've got to put your pride aside it's not about you no one cares about you you care about the person on the table yeah the person that's coming in with pain that's the person you're supposed to care about i think it's quite interesting to see very like petty beef like that to it i think it's quite telling like with in a pt sense seeing a lot of people go oh i created this exercise like why are you using my exercise and it's like come on, man. Like it's so much oh, bigger than you creating this exercise. <laughs> exactly. Like you're squabbling over a toy, like a child. Like mm. what does it really matter at the end of the day? Like if the person is getting the adaptation they want, whether that be returning to health, whether that be improved performance, like what, what's it matter? Like that's, that's the outcome. That's should, the goal. It should that be a, working towards. It should be a positive. You should look at it as a positive that someone's used what you've used because exactly. it's working. They're so clearly taking it for a reason. And this is again, what we're saying about social media it can be a very shitty place mm. because of that. You got to use it yeah. as a tool rather than letting it dictate what you're doing and the like. And mm. you know, I think maybe some more so in like the, the PT sense of seeing a lot of people put up just exercises that look flashy for the sake of exercises that look flashy to draw attention, to yeah. captivate an audience. And like, again, touching back on say the Bulldogs and the like, just because something looks great on social media, it doesn't mean that that's the big crux of their high performance program. Like, touching on the foundations of consistent work, consistent therapy, consistent sleep, consistent eating, consistent de-stressing. Those are all the biggest pillars that under, under, underlay any high-performance program, whether that be for an elite athlete, whether that be for a gen pop in a high-stress job. Like those same foundations underpin all the time. Definitely. And that's, again, what we were saying before, everything is multifactorial. It's not as easy as it looks. You know, social media is definitely known especially i think now during covid everyone sort of you know they're breaking down like small businesses are going through the worst of the worst mm -hmm. right now right and um i think people are starting to say like oh they're not doing well like normally like for example dynamic therapy is very very positive and i've put up a few not negative posts but just sort of educating people like you know mm -hmm. this is what has happened this it's is how hard it now. is yeah and i think now i think hopefully social media will change in that sense like you know it's right to not be okay. It's yeah. it's okay to feel shit. It's okay to go broke. It's these things are normal. Um, it's just the ugly like, side yeah. of business that often people 100%. don't see, but like it's it's realistic. It's a balanced perspective. Like 
again, seeing only the highlights can often lead to a lot of other people. I'm sure like looking from an outside lens, looking in going, oh, this is a perfect, perfect life, perfect business, perfect work setup sort of thing. But mm. most people don't put up all the negatives, whether that be because it's not that interesting to others or you just try and portray a positive message. Like you try obviously try and embody what you stand for as dynamic therapy. And that's what you try and portray rather than almost not, not so much a woe is me sort of mindset, but like, you're trying to portray the best things to give other people an ability to look at that as a beacon of hope almost and say, Hey, like I can keep pushing sort of thing. Definitely. Especially now it's such a negative time. Um, I feel like I don't want to add to that negativity. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't go really on much on Facebook anymore. I try to I agree not stay on Instagram <laughs> too much because it is very, very negative. You know, mm. negative attracts negative. We don't want that. So I try to, like on my Instagram, I've tried to just keep going as if everything's normal. Yeah. You know, oh, we're working, you know, we're working every day. You know, everyone's out and about. We're still training. We're doing all of our footy training. You know, that's also happening. We're still going to games, this and that. And even though it's not, I think it's a good thing to, for people to say, like, it can be refreshing. Hmm. For sure. Very, very sure. refreshing, especially in a time like this. Like, it, it, it is very, a very negative time. You know, look, look on your Facebook for two minutes. You won't see one thing that's happy. Exactly. And it, I, I feel it's also the sort of thing where, if someone sees their online platform like that as a place to vent rather than a connect and sort of socially network mm. and the like, like if that's their venting spot, yeah, it is very easy to get caught up in that negative spiral where like, I'm sure you've probably, you can think of a few people on the top of your head where nothing they post is ever positive. It's always angry. It's always a vent. It's always annoyed. And if that's their outlet, like cool. But at the same time, like you have to be mindful as you're as a consumer of what they're putting out there. Like, Mm. it's very easy to hit that the three little dots and then the unfollow like they don't know you're not watching their their stories and the like anymore but you don't have to intake that negativity like uh, i try and view it almost like a battery analogy like if you take in positive things you're charging yourself up you're able to Mm -hmm. get the best out of yourself if you're just constantly intaking negative stressful things you're just depleting your battery and you got to be mindful of that like it's the sort of thing i feel that as you get older you do become more mindful of and as a, as a teenager and the like, it can be very, very hard to try and manage that because of fear of missing out. All your peers are online. It's the norm and the like, but it is something that's quite important and underrated. No, it definitely is. Um, to switch off is very hard. To, for people to stop looking at something is so hard, mm-hmm. especially on social media. It's like in this phone, like it's yeah. so easy. I just pick it up, unlock it, and you, you know, you're already there. there. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's the hard part. That's definitely the hardest part, I think. Obviously, the, the sort of past 18 odd months has been challenging for, for many different ways. But on a more positive note, what sort of ideology changes? What have you what have you learned over that time, whether that be through experience or like upskilling yourself? Yeah, so look, the look, pretty much I've been in what lockdown on and off for like what two years now, is that almost? Yeah, it's close like to that. two years now. Um I've learned to be a person. Um, it's right to feel shitty it's right to feel negative you know i've gone through all the emotions i've gone through the sadness of having to close dynamic therapy like you know i remember the third time i closed i'm like this is so shit this is this sucks and and i've just closed it for the sixth time right yeah so i've i've gone through all my emotions of frustration you know i've been happy that it's open and i'm sad again and i'm over it um i think i've learned to become more of a human and even when we were operating like the last week um, 
it's okay if something doesn't work. You know, I've learned that it's, yeah, a business, you've got to be very professional in your business, this and that. But it's okay, like, to, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. You know, you, you, we can, damn, we're going to go over by five minutes. Let me quickly call my next client at the time. We're going to be just five minutes late. Oh, you don't have the money right now? Pay me next time. You don't show sure what you want to do? It's right. Call me in a few days. We'll chat. Yeah. Uh, being more of a human, I think, because I know with when I first started dynamic therapy, I wanted to be very, very structured, basically. I want to be professional. Yeah. I want to look, I want to be the boss man of this show. Yeah. Embody But I think I've become more, yeah, yeah. And I think I've just become, yeah, I've just learned to be more of a human now. You know, like you can't make it. Don't stress. I'll speak to you soon. Mm. Just things like that. I, I think is um, being more considerate about everyone else, especially now. Like I've got it pretty good. Like I live at home. I don't, I don't have too many expenses right now. So I live a good life. You don't know what other people are going through, mm. especially in a time like this. People losing their jobs, their homes, don't have money to put on the table. Do you know what I mean? They, they don't have anything. So uh, being a human is a very, very good right now to be. You know, you want to be overly compassionate. You want to be invested in people, I guess. You know, I, like I've messaged a few clients like off my personal, I'm like, hey, what's going on? How are you? Because mm. I know that they were struggling with certain things. Um, so I think that's what people need to come back down to earth, I guess, in that sense. So it's like a lot of everyone's on social media now is like, you know, do you want to take the vaccine? Do you not want to take the vaccine? Like it's not even your, it's not up to you anymore. Yeah. Like, don't worry about whatever people are doing. Like worry about yourself. Um, a lot Break of people your own decision. hundred percent. A lot of people, like we're all humans at the end of the day. Like if you look back three years ago, we were all friends and now people are fighting yeah. over certain things during lockdown. Like it's not good. But where's the, all that all that um you know compassion gone where's all this where's all the love gone where's all this connection gone yeah um and i think that's a big negative for this whole lockdown thing so i think that yeah me being more of a people's person will help definitely like, and i think it's quite interesting like it's, it's a definitely a disconnect there like of not seeing people for so long and sort of losing maybe that familiarity from that familiarity with them and the like and then touching on that from a sort of a more of a work sense there, like just being an authentic person, being a friend to these people that you're serving mm. as a client and the like can be huge. Like, again, you don't know what someone's going through in their daily life. They, they, they may have just come off a week of working straight if they're single, live alone and don't see anyone that they've not spoken to anyone or in a physical person face-to-face sense. And then they've got an appointment on a Friday afternoon with you and that's, the first person they've seen all week. So they just want to talk to you. They just want to vent. And like, mm. that can probably be as beneficial as the actual therapy that they're getting there of just having some human connection and the like, and being able to engage with someone on a face-to-face level that isn't happening elsewhere in their life and the like. And I feel that that is one of the biggest sort of things that obviously has changed from COVID where if you're a, a single person, you live alone, you work, work from home, work a remote job, maybe like how often are you really getting out and seeing people? Definitely, definitely. No one's friendly anymore and it's free. Mm. It's free to be nice. Even just smile looking down the street. 100%. And like you said, you don't know what anyone else is going through. Like I had a client come in and they're like, you know, in these last two years, we've knocked off half of our mortgage. And I'm like, that's great. Little do they know, like I've shut down for six months. Do you know what I mean? And there is that, like not a lot of people, you don't know what anyone else is going through. So in this time, I think everyone just has to be a bit more friendlier. You know, don't worry about what other people's opinions are. You know, an opinion is an opinion. You can't base a friendship off an opinion. So, you know, 
Be friendly at the end of the day, what does their opinion really reflect on you? Like that's their perception mm. of the perception of you. So that's kind of like a yeah. double layered insulated sort of thing. So it's, it's nothing to do with you really at that point. Like how mm. I view you is very different to how you view yourself. And then that's another level of insulation there as well. Definitely. Yeah. And that's what I mean. I think everyone should just be a bit more friendly, be more nice. Cause uh, it's definitely gone out the window during this whole lockdown. A great, a great message to live your life by. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's easy. It's free. You might change someone's day. So why not? All it takes is a smile. All right. La- last question here that I ask everyone now, if you can give yourself one piece of advice five years ago, what would it be and why? What would it be? Oh, geez. That's, that's a, that's a on the spot, isn't it? It is young JD opening up dynamic therapy five years ago, kind of times well there. Um, what we were saying before, do what you love. If you don't love it, refer off. If you're not good at it, refer off. Uh, learn to accept defeat. Definitely. Love that. Definitely. Learn that, yeah. If you can't do it, don't do it. It's the sort of thing, like defeat is only really defeat if you don't learn something from it. If you learn mm. something from it, it's an experience. Oh, definitely. You have to learn from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I've done, you know, I think every therapist in their first two years have done, not stuff-ups, but they've definitely had a negative effect on someone. Of course, 100%. Like it, it's a natural part of any career though. Like you look at any mm. anyone in any sort of working career, like nothing is perfect from day one. Like you're going to have learning curves. And then as you start to get competent with maybe more basic tasks, you try and up your skill level. Like you, you develop a better level and then you take on another bigger task and try and stretch yourself. And if you're not really trying to stretch yourself and take on things that might be slightly a little challenging or at least a bit of a stretch for your abilities, like, you're not going to grow. And obviously that's no, the thing you want as a therapist. 100%. You've got to try it. You've got to try everything. But yeah. Exactly. Do, I think. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on, my man. No problem. Great my chat. Pleasure. Let everyone know where they can find you at home and anything you're working on, plug your socials and the like and give us a bit of a shout out. Yep. Cool. So Instagram is dynamic.therapy and on Facebook is just dynamic therapy. Um, a lot of big things coming up in the next few months, which will be good. Hopefully, we're out of lockdown. Um, but yeah, if they, if anyone does have any questions, please just shoot me a message on socials or even send me an email, and then we'll have a chat. JD's super approachable guy, guys. Definitely knows his stuff and cares very much about his clientele, as I'm sure you've got the message from here. So yeah, definitely reach out to him if you have any needs. Cheers for coming on, man. Awesome. No Thank problem. You. Have a good one. Thank you.